Pastor Ray Bentley says the religious leaders objected to Jesus' new approach. They were trying to trap Jesus by making him oppose Moses. Jesus said, I didn't come to change the law of Moses. I came to fulfill the law of Moses. He was applying the law of Moses in a very different way. It wasn't legalism, it was life. It was grace, it was mercy, it was compassion. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. At the change of any presidential administration, key changes ripple through the government. New leader, new plan, new procedures. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, he also made some key changes, and the old guard of religious leaders objected. Today, we'll explore that development and the outcome. We're in the uh, Gospel of Matthew, and we've kind of been just taking story by story, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, simply teaching through the Bible simply in the Gospel of Matthew. All of these stories and all of these uh, incidents and teachings are part of what was the last week of Jesus' earthly life and ministry. So it's literally just seven days, but so much happened in seven days. Jesus did so many teachings that are so powerful and so profound and so revealing. And of course, now we've been looking at the last several weeks, different groups. The Herodians came and they're testing Jesus. I mean, this uh, rejection that he's not coming their way according to their plan and, and there's already a plot to get Jesus, to trap Jesus, to indict him. And of course, we know that Jesus himself told the disciples, though they don't get it during this last week, he's told them plainly, when we get to Passover, I am going to be crucified, then I will be buried, and on the third day, I will rise from the dead. Now, you know, we read it, he said it different times and occasions, and they just never really got it until it happened, and then they totally freaked out, and everybody ran, each one like a scattered sheep to his own way until the resurrection. And then, I mean, wow, from the depths of, you know, the witness of, of his beating and then being nailed to the cross and his death and then being wrapped up and put into the tomb. And then the stories of where for 40 days, Jesus appeared to the disciples right in the midst of them. At one time, he went to a meeting where there were 500 people who saw him alive from the dead. And of course, literally changed world history. After the 40 days, he ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives and he said, wait 10 more days because on Pentecost, I am sending another comforter who is just like me. It's basically Jesus without a human body. It's the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the glory of God that would come and live inside of them. So, Anyway, they're testing him now, which is what they would do to, of course, the Passover, the lamb that was chosen on Palm Sunday. All week long, you're testing, challenging the lamb to find a blemish, find something wrong with it that it would not be worthy to sacrifice on Passover. So Jesus being the lamb of God, they're 
coming at him from every angle. And now we're gonna see another layer in another one of those stories. But I am so thankful for this particular question. It's the shortest, I think we've got seven verses. But what Jesus says and how he responds, this is by far my favorite of everything in the Gospel of Matthew thus far. Okay, so Matthew chapter 22. I'm gonna just read verse 34 of Matthew 22. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. We saw and heard a tremendous teaching of Jesus. When he was done teaching them and what he had to say and reveal to them, they were speechless. Uh, they were the elite, the intellectuals, and he stunned the Sadducees. And so they, they gathered together. It says, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. And notice this, testing him. This is not just, hey, let's talk, we want to learn more, maybe you could be who you claim to be. This was specifically, they had gotten together, how do we trap Jesus? How do we test him? How do we reveal that he's not who he claims to be? So one of them, a lawyer, we'll talk about what that means in just a moment, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. So I love this. Jesus goes to the heart of the very meaning of life and the, the purpose of life. Uh, the meaning of life is love. That's why you exist. The Bible says in describing who God is and the character of God, God is love. Everything that love is. Love is not just a feeling, an emotion, an experience. Love is actually a person, and love, the explosion of love, and all that love is, is everything that God is. Endless, eternal, glorious, beautiful, ever-growing, ever-expanding, ever-increasing, all the attributes of God, and God is love. Someone has said that love may not make the world go around, but it makes the trip worthwhile. Well, I would like to say that I don't agree with that. I actually do think that love makes the world go round because God is love, and God makes the world go round, let alone everything else in the world. And therefore, not only does God make the world go round, but the journey of life, in that he directs everything that happens to us, is about us finding and discovering love. What if I told you that your dad, your father in heaven, for those of you that love and believe and trust in Jesus, and then through him you have now come to experience God is your heavenly father. What if I told you that your father has a plan for you, and that plan is so beautiful and so incredible, and it has experiences, it has people, it has places, it has all kinds of things that are like 
beautiful treasures that are designed by God in your future and that it's all been written in a book, as it were, and that your Father is leading and guiding you as you listen to his whispers and follow his direction in your life and love him and worship him and obey him, and then you discover you fall into all these blessings, blessing after blessing, gift after gift, friend after friend, experience after experience, going further up, further in to the depths of the love of God. How many would be pretty excited about that? Well, let me just tell you, that's exactly what it's all about. And that's what God has designed for you. Jesus here in this question that comes touches something so deep and so profound that it's all about love. When he's asked, so what is the greatest commandment is another way of saying, what's the greatest thing in the world? What is the meaning of life? Love. To love the Creator, God the Father, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And we'll find out later why, because God loves you with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and all of his strength. He's burning you with an incredible, deep God love that is so transforming, it's like hot. It melts you and I and then transforms us so that we mirror the very image of our Father. We start looking like our dad in heaven. That's the plan and the purpose of God. So here Jesus touches on something that's so deep and profound that in this world, the sweetest, most exhilarating of all the emotions, you know, religious, non-religious, is people that say love. It is almost a universal belief of mankind and humanity of seven billion people around the planet that love is the greatest thing in life. Volumes and volumes of songs and poems and plays and novels and movies have been produced to describe in various ways love, and that's the heart of it all. So the Word of God declares that love is the greatest virtue. Love is why we exist. Love is our purpose for this life. And for that matter, for all of eternity, is to experience the love of God, grow in the love of God, have the love of God poured out upon us and in us and through us and to enjoy what God is going to continue. Look, everything that he made in just six days. What can he do for eternity? And our eternity, we, we have, it's never going to end. I believe in many ways that, you know, like the, the millennium, okay, that's like a thousand years, but a thousand years as a day, a day is as a thousand years. So we're gonna go, whew, you know, through the millennium as it were and get to the end of it. And then what does the Bible say in the book of Revelation? It doesn't even tell us what's after that. After God restores everything, Jesus sitting on the throne upon the earth. And for a thousand years, I believe, you know, the lion will lie down with the lamb, they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's gonna be like what God had intended for Adam and Eve, but then we got sidetracked there very early on in the garden. So God's gonna go a thousand years, this is what I had in mind. And then at the end, after that, he goes, now I'm gonna create a whole new heavens and a whole new earth. So God replenishes the earth and everything is beautiful and glorious. So we're just like, oh man, this is so awesome and incredible. And God goes, oh man, you guys haven't seen anything yet. Grabs the pages of eternity and goes and creates. And we go off into a whole new, and that's only page two of a book that never ends, that goes further up and further in 
to the love of God. How many are ready for that? Hallelujah. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. I met Pastor Ray when I was really young. Looking back, I realize he was pretty young too. I remember him praying for me as I was going through a challenging time. His kindness and great faith encouraged me. I can hardly think of another person who packed as much life into so relatively few years. I look forward to seeing him again one day. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. It is why we exist. It is our purpose for life to experience love, the love of God, and then to learn how to love like our Father loves. The love of God is deeper than anything in this world. So verses 34 and 35, let's go back to the beginning. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law. So what was the purpose of this? It wasn't really so they could learn what Jesus had to say about it. It was really in order that they might trap him. They're testing him. The Sadducees wanted to trap him with a silly question about the resurrection they didn't even believe in. And then they gave this silly deal with a woman and then her husband dies. So the guy's brother has to marry her because of Jewish law to, you know, give her provision and take care of her and all of that. And then he dies and then his brother dies. So anyway, seven of them die and then the woman dies. Who's going to be the husband, you know, of the seven? And they thought they were making fun of Jesus. And he says, you don't even know what you're talking about. You don't know the power of God. You've gone astray. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. But then the only person they did respect being Moses, he quotes Moses to prove the resurrection. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So here's what I want to say. Now we got, so that was the Sadducees. They tried to trap Jesus. Now the Pharisees are again at bat, and they're trying to trap Jesus. And I want to say something to you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Guess what? The enemy of your soul and mine is trying to trap you. He wants to get you off the rails, as it were. He wants to discourage you. He wants to challenge you. He wants you to stop being committed to the Lord. And so he's trying to trap you. And so here's a word from the Lord. Do not be afraid. Why? When our enemies set a trap for us, they ultimately trap who? Themselves. They thought they were going to trap Jesus. And Actually, they didn't realize they were crawling into the trap that he had set for them. So know this, that though there's enemies in the world, there's spiritual battles, the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and life tries to trap you, know this, that as long as you are walking in obedience and love with your Father in heaven, every trap the world or the devil sets for you, they will be trapped to themselves. Can I hear an amen? 
So here, when the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had put the Sadducees to silence, literally the Greek word means they were muzzled, they, they were speechless. They couldn't even come up with a follow-up question. So the Pharisees decided, well, it's our turn. We'll, we'll try. And they got together a little group of, you know, probably some of the upper echelon Pharisees. Now, these are the guys we believe in the Bible. We don't just believe in Moses in the first five books, Genesis through Deuteronomy, like the Sadducees. Now, we believe it all. We believe in the prophets. We believe in the writings, the wisdom literature, all the way from Genesis all the way to the very last prophet. So we're going to trap this Jesus because they misinterpreted a lot of things that he said. They were convinced he's not really following the law of Moses. He's, trying to, he's got some new doctrine, some new thing, because he was teaching in a different way. He was applying the law of Moses in a very different way. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very liberating and freeing. It wasn't legalism. It was life. It was grace. It was mercy. It was compassion. So they got their best guys together, and then they found a scribe, which here Matthew calls a lawyer. So what, that, what does that mean, a scribe? What does it mean, a lawyer? It means he's a lawyer of the law of God, the laws of Moses, the 1613 commandments. You know, we have the Ten Commandments, but if you look at all the Old Testament and you count all of them, there's actually, enumerating them, 613. So the basic deal is you have to follow all 613 commandments every day perfectly for your entire life or you're not righteous enough to get into heaven. How many find that a little burdensome, a little heavy? A lot of people did. So anyway, they, they got this a lawyer, a scribe, who had unusual, he was probably the smartest of the Pharisees. He was the most learned, he was the most astute, and they thought, hey, this guy, nobody's been able to debate him or defeat him, and he's got the answers, he's our smartest guy. He'll go after Jesus, and Jesus will be no match for him. Yeah, well, we'll see how that goes. So I want you to know this. Uh, as they come with this question and seek to trap him, you know the story in the Old Testament of Esther and Haman, and how Haman, there was this hatred that he had for this one guy, his archenemy, was Mordecai. And not only did he not like Mordecai, he didn't like the people associated with Mordecai. He hated the Jews. And he was, he was bitter, and he was jealous, and he wanted that guy out, and that guy kept seeming to find favor. And then there's this young lady named Esther who's related to Mordecai, and now she's in the harem of the king, and, and she's making her way up, and she's the most beautiful and is getting chosen. And Haman's like, I gotta get rid of this guy. So he spent time and personal money and fortune to build a gallows. And the whole time that he was building that gallows, every night he was thinking about meditating on dreaming, hoping, wishing, waiting, longing, and looking for the day that Mordecai, his enemy, would hang from the gallows. Well, you guys know the story, right, of Esther. And the beautiful thing about the story of Esther is the very gallows he took all the time and money and effort to make is the very gallows upon which he himself hung. And not only him, his 10 sons. It literally wiped out his whole family. Now, I want, I want you to know this. 
All the enemy's plots against you, the Lord is setting the devil up. Every demon is being set up. Every one of them, God is trapping so that whatever they meant to hurt you and harm you will turn out to hurt and harm them. Every one of your enemies, whether in the physical realm or in the spiritual realm, they're being set up. The very gallows they're making to take you out is what's going to take them out. Can I hear an amen on that? So then we get to verse 36. This is kind of the the heart and the crux of the whole deal. Verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the eyes of God? What is the most important to him? Now, remember, this is a lawyer, which really means he's a scribe. He's an expert. He's the best debater. He's the smartest guy. He knows everything about the law of Moses. He knows all 613 commandments. They used to spend hours talking and debating about the laws of God. So the lawyer asks, what is the greatest commandment of Moses? Now, so these are Pharisees in the Pharisee world. Remember I told you the Pharisees are the majority of the Jewish religious leaders. They believe in the resurrection, they believe in angels, they believe in the supernatural and life after death. Then the smaller group were the Sadducees, kind of the elite. I liken them to the liberal theologians of our time. They, they thought the religion had value, Judaism, laws, right and wrong, but they really esteemed money. They didn't believe in the resurrection or a day of accountability and judgment. So these are the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, even though they did consider not just the first five books, but they actually considered the entire Old Testament to be divinely inspired, the prophets were all from God, even they nevertheless considered Moses to be the supreme figure in the Old Testament. So this is a common theme within the Jewish world. There is no one greater than Moses. Why? Because Moses had spoken with God face to face. And you're trying to get us off of Moses and get us away from Moses and away from the law. But it's interesting in the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus actually said. One of the first sermons that he ever preached, he said this, Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Let's read it out loud together. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus said, I didn't come to change the law of Moses. I came to fulfill the law of Moses. Jesus is the only human being that ever actually lived the commandments. Not only the 10, but all 613. He was perfect. He was sinless. So they were trying to trap Jesus by making him oppose Moses' teaching, the core of Judaism. For to contradict Moses would be to contradict God, and therefore heresy, and therefore We've proven that you're not the Messiah. And yet Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Pastor Ray Bentley with good insight today from the Gospel of Matthew. And there's more to come as this study continues here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Love is Everything. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.